When I graduated college in the spring of 2020, I entered a whole new world. And even though I had just spent four years learning the skills I would need for my career, nothing, not the internships or the student organizations or career counselors, nothing could prepare me for what this new world and new workforce looked like. That meant that it was up to me to build my own networks, create connections, and try to catapult myself into the world of journalism. I quickly realized just how important having mentors would be. I started by staying in touch with my favorite professors and bosses at my internships. They sent me job listings, helped me figure out if my first job out of college was right for me, and gave me advice on how to nail interviews. It was all welcomed, especially because the COVID pandemic left me stranded, working alone in my apartment. It wasn't until my third job post-college that I found my first real mentor. It felt like I was finally at my first big girl job. I was the news editor for the Hearst-owned Times Union Hudson Valley, working fully remote. It meant I was moving past working at small publications with just a handful of employees. Now there was a full team, work benefits, paid time off. But there was also work politics, not knowing when it was my time to speak up, and tight budgets to follow. That's where Tracy Ziemer came in. While she was my boss, she was also my mentor. She showed me the ropes, introduced me to people, and encouraged me to join Hearst Mentorship Program, where I was connected with an investigative reporter in Texas. While I had a two-in-one deal with Tracy being both a boss and a mentor to me, that isn't always the case. In fact, different mentorship dynamics continue to take shape since the adjustment to hybrid and remote work. Gen Z has not had a traditional office experience, which means we are having to be more intentional about finding mentorships. Some Gen Zers may not even fully understand just how important it is to have a mentor because they've just never seen it in action. But there's an awful lot to learn from experienced workers, and there has been a long tradition of passing down that experience, usually in the office. Welcome to The Return, a work-life podcast from Digiday Media about what the return to the office looks like as we adapt to the new post-pandemic normal. I'm your host, Chloe Callahan, a reporter at WorkLife where I cover how modern workplaces and workforces are changing across six core areas, culture, technology, talent, leadership, spaces, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. On this episode, we're talking about mentorships and how they can shape someone's work experience. Tracy was one of my first mentors, and she knows what it means to have someone show you the ropes. Yeah, I mean, looking back, I didn't realize how fortunate I was at the time. Now I really appreciate it even more. But when I was a young, uh, recent graduate, I got my first job. I was working in Philadelphia, and I worked in a a high-pressure office, um, and my direct manager was really more than a manager. I feel like managers are sometimes bottom line driven and sometimes human development driven. But in my experience, I've rarely seen both. And she was really both. And um, she was regularly asking me, you know, what is it that got me excited about working? What is it that really that I thought about a lot? What did I like doing? And those sorts of questions really had me thinking about in the office and outside the office in a way that put me at the center. And um, she's continued to be a mentor in my life. I've worked with her 
starting in 1994. I'm dating myself here. So it's been almost 30 years, and I still contact her today with just questions, and also we're friends. Having this experience can help kick off your career on the right foot. That's how I felt meeting Tracy. When you're not sure how things are supposed to operate, it means a lot when someone takes you under their wing like that. I was 22. It was my first job. I didn't even really know how everything worked. And then my social circle was really limited. So my needs were very different than I think they would be now, where I have a strong social circle where I live, right? So I was in a very vulnerable spot. And she made decisions that reflected not just the bottom line interests of the company, but also my interests over time. So, you know, I remember my movers were coming. They were late. I was like sleeping on a floor in my apartment with no furniture and nothing. And my movers were two weeks late. And the day that the movers came, she said, you know, why don't you check out a work and, and go take care of that? Go take care of you so that tomorrow, you know, you're really fresh. And And that really, to me, changed how I viewed her, which was, Yes, I respect her. She was my manager. I, you know, want to do well. But also I knew that she saw me as a person and cared about how I was doing outside of nine to five. Um, and that made me want to do even better when I was there nine to five, you know? During that nine to five, Tracy was navigating a lot of new things like office politics. I would go to this quarterly meeting and it was with the senior leadership of the company. And it was really to talk strategy, what each department was doing. I didn't even really understand what my role was. And officially on paper, my role was to take minutes so that we had a had some sort of register of what was discussed. Um, and I went to a couple of these meetings and I just, I didn't really get it, you know? And and then I remember before going into probably, this was probably the third meeting, she said, let's talk about this meeting actually before we go in. Like what's really happening in this meeting? And it was the most eye-opening conversation because I didn't really know that I suspected, but I didn't really know that there were layers of things happening. And she actually said to me, you know, so-and-so is really a little bit under pressure because of certain things that were happening. So, you know, just so you know, the president of the company is going to really be looking at her response to her plan for this this upcoming quarter. Those sorts of sort of breadcrumbs that were leading me in a direction of awareness were like so illuminating. And I went into that meeting and I was like, got it. I'm not just here to like write down what I'm hearing. I'm also here to observe what's happening because that's telling me now going forward, other projects that touch this person's line of work there might be more pressure there, or she might, you know, there might be something else happening. Without that scene setting from her manager and mentor, Tracy might have felt lost. For remote workers, it's even harder to paint a full picture of what's going on unless someone tells you directly. You can't share a look across the conference room when you're on Zoom. Reading between the lines isn't so simple when everyone is behind their computer screens. I mean, I think about that quarterly meeting that my manager really helped hold my hand through. And not physically being in those meetings, you can't read body language. It's much harder to pick up on who's really running a meeting. You know, so-and-so called the meeting and is sitting in the chair at the head of the meeting, but it's not their meeting, right? Like, what does that mean? 
According to a multi-generational study for Mentor, a nonprofit that connects young people with mentors in their community, 67% of today's 18 to 21-year-olds can remember a time where they needed a mentor but didn't have one. 62% of millennials and 55% of Gen X reported the same. Mentors do more than just help you navigate how one particular office works. They can be a resource for the rest of your career. That study found that American adults give their mentors more than half of the credit for the success they had in life. Someone who wants to find a mentor might not know where to start. Should your manager be your mentor? Does your mentor always need to be older than you? Should they be in the same industry? What's better, finding a mentor organically or getting connected with one through a program? It can be really overwhelming. Mentorship is so, it's such a broad term. And I think people think of it as like a capital M mentorship. So finding that wherever you get your nourishment from, right? And that could be from a friend. It could be from somebody in the office. Before you start a career, there are people all around you who are mentors who aren't your managers, right? You're like a coach, a professor, um, you know, I remember asking my older sisters, like boyfriends, like for advice, like for boys, right? Like that's even a form of mentorship. Wherever you feel safe and where you feel that someone has, um, is in a position that has a perspective that can broaden your own perspective. Ultimately, that's what mentorship is. You're gaining greater perspective through the eyes of someone else. Someone who is redefining mentorship is Danielle Farage. I graduated in 2020, so the pandemic was my graduation gift. <laughs> Danielle's first mentorship wasn't like mine and Tracy's. In fact, she describes it as toxic. She was attending the University of Southern California when she went to the Athena Women's Entrepreneurship Summit on campus. She met a woman who was building her own company that helped college students find career paths based on their personality types, skills, and backgrounds. They clicked, and before Danielle knew it, she was interning for the company and in the office three days a week. I felt really close. I felt like there was a close connection. She was a child of immigrants, as am I, and we had a lot to talk about. We had a, this shared passion for helping college students find you know, themselves and find the right work for them, which is life-changing. As Danielle's spring semester continued, COVID forced those three days in the office to become remote, and it sent Danielle back home to New York. The internship was going well enough that she was asked to continue full-time for the summer. But that connection she felt with her mentor had noticeably changed since moving to remote work. What had gone from sort of spending two hours together in person, like chatting and, and talking about what was possible, turned into, you know, an hour here, an hour there, usually after our morning meetings of kind of just like telling me all the things that I did wrong, telling me the ways that I had messed up and the ways that I had misguided my team and you know, my time is more valuable than yours, Danielle. You know, you're entitled because you went to USC. Just all these like crazy things that just weren't true. And unfortunately, that was my first mentor. And that was also the person who had promised that she would be there for me through the, the 
process of not just graduating, but graduating into a pandemic. Daniela left that job in August 2020, but that was not exactly the best time to be a new graduate looking for her first job. Because I was a young professional, I had never had, you know, especially graduating remotely and not really having a network or an environment to to foster connections in, I didn't have anyone to talk to about what was happening beyond people who I, you know, dug through my network and I was like, oh, who could I like go to about this? Who do I feel safe and comfortable with? Which the list was short. So Danielle found a community in just about the only place she could in 2020, the internet. She joined networking sites like the Community Club, Badassery, and Upstream. During the pandemic, I think what was great was that, especially if I benefited from it, was that people were willing to listen, right? Think about the droves of people who came onto Clubhouse. Think about the droves of people who opened up their calendars and joined things like Lunch Club. And I was on Upstream, which is another, you know, it was a community building platform. Um, and, And I met so many people. And so that was a great opportunity to expand my network. And that's, I capitalized on that personally. And I grew my brand through it as well. Danielle wasn't going to let her first mentorship experience scar her from fostering future ones. She decided to approach mentorships from an entirely different perspective and redefine them as friend-torships. And the founding principles um, of friend-torship are really, A, it's, it's about giving. It's about having the confidence within yourself to say, I could give something valuable to this person, whether it's knowledge or it's advice or it's feedback or it's quality time. And then the second principle is receiving, right? What am I willing to admit that I don't know and to open myself up to this form of authentic curiosity of what could I learn from someone radically different than myself? And I don't think age is as much a factor. I don't think experience is as much a factor. It's more of a, what am I looking to learn and what am I looking to give? And does that align with you? And if so, then that's awesome. And if not, let's like meet and let's go our separate ways. And like, there's no hard feelings or any negative, you know, feelings. It's all positive. It's, it's really all just about opportunity. According to that report for Mentor, today's 18 to 21-year-olds are a full 10 percentage points less likely than millennials to have had a mentor. That's forced them to find mentorships in new places and to throw out the typical script. It's no longer going to be your boss or a professor who can directly help you move up in the corporate world, but neighbors or friends who you can also talk to about mental health, what you had for dinner, or your weekend plans. Danielle calls them her personal board of directors. A group of people who you trust to help guide you in your decisions about your financials, about your career, about your relationships, about your mental health, right? Finding people that you trust and asking them to to get on board. And I'll say, like, I feel like I have a few people you know, I'm, I'm still figuring this out <laughs> personally. So I'm not saying do this and, and trying to say that I have it all figured out. Cause I don't like, that's, 
the tr- total honesty. Um, but I think that the more you grow your network, the more you invest time in learning and being curious about who people are and and not just what they do, but who they are. Um, I think the sooner you're going to find your tribe and find those people who you really trust um, to help make you a better person. And, and I think it, it totally goes both ways. Regardless of your generation, entering the workforce or starting a new job can still be a steep learning curve, one that mentors can help with significantly. Here's Tracy Zemer again. I started my job in a pandemic, a very big company, trying to learn who in my local market I need to go to for questions, but also who in the larger national market, which it's so hard to learn who's who, all the names, um, how they intersect. So I just asked a lot of questions. And so my advice for for Gen Z or really anyone, people who have been away from work and that are now returning to work, it's the art of asking questions. Like I think the pressure to feel like you always know the answer. Um, I know I've operated under that. There's a certain like freedom in just saying, I have some questions, um, it, and it might be after the meeting, right? So when I'm in meetings, especially when I started this job in the pandemic, I would write down the names of people that seemed really smart or who asked really interesting questions, and I would reach out to them after on Slack or on email and say, could we get a virtual coffee? I'm really interested in what you had to say. I'm also new here. You can also play that card, by the way, for a long time. You don't realize you can, but you can Next week on The Return, we'll talk about how Gen Z workers have made it a priority to work for companies that are aligned with their values. This is your host, Chloe Callahan. Until next time. The Return is brought to you by Digiday Media. This podcast was written and reported by me, Chloe Callahan, and produced and edited by Sarah Patterson. Sarah Patterson.